Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the listeners know what we got going on today? Yeah, so uh, Adam, we just finished a conversation with three of our elders, um, Todd Wagner, Dean McFarlane, and Bo Fournette. And so it was just a super rich uh, conversation. So uh, we're going to split this up into two episodes. And this first episode we're going to listen to is going to be about really the way they relate to each other, kind of functionally what it is that they do, how they do, uh, what they do, which I think will be really helpful. And then in the second episode, we're going to talk about how do you like select and install elders because we're right in the middle of that uh, right now at Watermark. Let's go ahead and listen in. So today we're talking about elders and uh, rather than you and I talk about what we don't know, we thought we'd bring in the subject matter experts. So we have with us uh, three just phenomenal, phenomenal leaders. Um, we, they are our elders. And uh, so uh, we're joined by Bo Fournette and Dean McFarlane and Todd Wagner. And we're going to talk about uh, eldering um, today. And so just at the top real quick, I want to say uh, we're not going to do a verse-by-verse study of all things eldering. Uh, we would recommend uh, books like uh, Strock's Biblical Eldership, uh, things like that. You can go and get that. Uh, we think what these guys have to offer is just some of the um, practical ways they lead each other and shepherd uh, our flock. And so uh, we just kind of need to get out of the way and let that happen. So uh, Todd, I remember when you uh, we as a church installed elders. Uh, you stood in front of the congregation and said, hey, guys, listen, this is going to be either the greatest day in the life of our church <laughs> or the beginning of the end. Why'd you say that? Yeah, well, because um, leadership is everything. And um, just real quick, just even loop back before I answer that, you mentioned the Strock book, right? There's also one by Gene Getz. It's really good. Uh, but all those books are good conversation starters. The, the book we highly recommend is First Timothy or Titus, <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, but... Uh, or you're just your Bible, your New Testament, and, and uh, all that informs the new from the old. But um, so use those books as great conversation starters with guys, and uh, that's men's effort to do the best they can with the text that ultimately we want to have inform everything. Yeah, leadership is everything, right? I, I think you look at um, you know the Bible, and it talks again and again that when there's a problem with the people, it's because there's a problem with leadership. And so uh, there will always be a remnant that thrives underneath godless leadership. But the overall momentum and direction of any ministry, any family, any individual life is going to come back to the person leading it. So how you lead yourself is a huge aspect of uh, then how you can ultimately lead others, which is why one of the characteristics that you see is, hey, check the way a guy's leading his own house. If he can't lead that little tribe of you know, two, if it's just a guy who's married or with kids, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, then why do you think he's going to do well going forward? And because you're giving them the keys of the kingdom. That's why these are the guys that have the ability to rule and uh, to administer justice, loving kindness, mercy, and whether they walk in humility. And so the phrase leadership is everything is thoroughly informed by biblical intent. And so I did. I said, hey, guys, this is either the greatest day in the history of our church or the beginning of the end because we're about to invite others in now uh, to ultimately play the role that God intends them to role. And a lot of people asked us this early days of Watermark is, hey, who are you guys you know, um, affiliated with? Who are you submissive to? And um, one of the things that was really hard for a lot of people is um, understanding that the denominational structure that exists in a lot of, um, of the larger worldwide you know, systems of churches is not really informed by your Bible. It's just the practical outworkings of men as they created denominations. God's intention, if you look and read the New Testament, was always local leadership who were submitted to the apostles' teaching, okay? Not to some 
bishop, if you will, out there, but the bishop, that the word bishop is one of the words for elders in your New Testament, the local ruler right there. And as that local ruler goes, as he lives underneath the authority of God, so will go the prosperity of the people. And so whenever you see people that struggle, you always are going to see leaders that struggle. Uh, and they often, some people don't want good leaders. They want, you know, like people like priests, it says in Hosea. So yes, when you have a godly leader, you have a much better chance to have people that are pursuing God's way. Love it. Love it. Uh, Todd, you want to take a... I've just thought about this real yeah. quick. I think it's instructional. Um, the the elders did not start this church. It was a group of families, yeah. and none of them were elders. You want to talk about that just real quick? Yeah. What, what happened is this was eight friends that kind of got together and started to dream about what it would look like if we if we ran together as God's people. That's what the church is. It's people called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so um, we knew that one of the things we were going to do if we were going to be God's church is we had to put ourselves under the authority of someone. Um, now, the role pastor, the role elder, the role bishop, the word ruler, shepherd, all those are different words that describe the same thing. And what they said is, Todd, if you're going to play this role for us, we think you ought to be an elder, but the Bible says appoint elders. And we don't think the best way to appoint elders is, you know, say, hey, the first eight horses to the barn are elders. So I thought there was a really wise and humble thing that the founding families, if you will, did, which is to say what we're going to do is we're going to start this thing, invite others into it, and we're going to say um, that our primary responsibility is as we watch men that come alongside and are faithful and seeking Jesus and embodying the core values and having margin to shepherd the flock of God here, that we will name those guys elders. And once we get two more guys around you, Todd, right, a plurality of leadership, then if they want to come back, that group of three, you plus the other two at least we recommend, want to come back and grab from this eight, they can. But our job is going to be to find two other men that can lead with you and then we're going to give all the keys of the kingdom, if you will, to you three, which I thought was both humble, biblical, and uh, really wise. Yeah, it's good. I just it was a really humble move. It was it was uh, just encouraging as someone sitting in the body uh, watching that go down. So uh, it was it was that whole process. Interestingly was enough, we have never gone back. Now we've hired some of those guys on staff. Okay, but we've never, none of those guys have ever become elders, and not because they were disqualified in any way, but just because there were others that we felt like uh, had more margin, more time, uh, or were more suited for the role at that particular uh, point in history going forward. And for the, frankly, for the first uh, number of years, and we'll probably get into this about whether or not you have term limits, right? We didn't see term limits in the scripture, so we didn't put them in. Uh, we don't think there's a term limit on pastor, and the word for elder and pastor is synonymous, so we didn't put term limits on any of our pastor elders. Okay, uh, and so we didn't need to go back to some of those people, and and uh, you know years later there were reasons that maybe we felt like others were more set up for success in that role. That's good. So we don't have to talk about term limits now. So. Yeah. So yeah. Dean, how would you describe our model, the, where you guys landed, and the the model of eldering that we have here at Watermark? How would you describe that? Yeah. Let me uh, back up before I go forward. I think it's important to, at least for me, to be able to express uh, the the gift that it is to be in this role. But it's the sober responsibility balanced with the awesome gift. You know, the Lord, um, obviously Todd mentioned the, the idea of being called into this role by the founding families. And, you know, you read the descriptions and you go, wow, uh, that is an awesome responsibility and who's really qualified. So that's kind of where you start about your own maybe insecurities about being called into a role like this. Um, but what I love is that, and we've focused this from the very beginning, uh, you know, in terms of those of, of us who've been called into this role is number one, Philippians 3, 10, you know, to know Christ and the power of his fellowship, uh, power of his resurrection, sharing his fellowship, becoming like him in his death. And so for us, knowing Christ is always the critical element of self-leadership. And then John 15, 5 of just 
abiding with him regularly. So when we talk to each other throughout the week, uh, the, the work of the church is always second to our individual accountability. How are we doing with Jesus? And that has just been uh, one of the true blessings of my life in relationship with these men, continually forcing me back, inviting me back, um, encouraging and admonishing, admonishing me towards Jesus, my individual relationship with him, and then my leadership is an outflow of just how I'm doing with him, how I'm doing in relationship with these men. Um, that leads us to relational trust, the, the, the way we can lead most effectively is when we're deeply in relationship with one another, Ephesians 4, um, spirit of unity and the bond of peace. We work extra, extra hard on trying to be men that are worthy of follow, follow, being followed and pursuing one another and working out our, our um, relationship with Christ, our faithful walk with him, and um, recklessly pursuing conflict resolution. That's a mark of the ministry here at Watermark, I think, that has really bled through our church, through our staff, and because we've tried to never ask our body to do anything, we're not really trying to model and practice ourselves. So uh, those are some of the distinctives that I've seen in our model. Our model, um, we believe, is a New Testament model, and it's one born out of the scriptures as best we can understand and interpret them. And so the, the, the other distinctive I think is important is historically, culturally, I think the church has leaned towards, hey, let's put smart, uh, ethical businessmen that have been successful in the world in the role of guiding the church. And, and we think just the opposite. We want to be um, humble, faithful, um, but bold servant leaders. And I think for us that the idea of trying to call the best men, uh, those who are theologically sound, uniquely equipped for the role with a passion to shepherd, lead, and guide other people has been one of the things I've loved about this expression. Yeah, let's just be honest. We're not going to hold it against the guy if he's a smart, ethical business leader. But, but we're also not going to say that's what we're looking for. Right, I mean that would just be almost uh, that would those those smart doesn't show up in First Timothy three or Titus one. Business leader doesn't. Ethical does. Yeah, it, not that word, but the implication. Implications. Right, and so yeah, I think what Dean's really said it too many times. Guys get pragmatic in naming of elders. Like, hey, part of the job of the elders is to make sure the work of the church continues. The work of the church can't continue if there's not money. Let's get guys on the board. Right, like a lot of maybe parachurch organizations do, hey, the budget's this, that means there's 10 of us, that means we all got to be responsible for at least this much. When churches start to do that, you are, uh, it's not just the beginning of the end, it already ended, you just don't know it yet. So good, so good. Go ahead, Dean, you have some more? Yeah, I was going to, we both have mentioned plurality of leadership, and I just want to spend just a second trying to, to really help the listeners understand that. And uh, Todd is uniquely gifted when you hear him communicate, you see um, the, the gift in this that God has given him and his ability to, to remember, interpret, and teach and train others in the scriptures and, and what God has designed for our life with Christ. Um, he's gifted Bo and myself and the prior elders in other ways. And so what the plurality of leadership really means is although Todd is our, our primary communicator and directional leader, he is a part of a shared ministry of leadership here at our church. And it, that, I will tell you again, is distinctive. People notice it. They realize, um, hey, you guys really are leading collectively. You know, you're just not following along behind uh, a, a primary leader and doing everything he says. And so Todd, I think, has done a really great job of um, continuing to, to, one, make sure we communicate about the leadership of our church family in that way. And it's talked about in other places um, Strzok does a great job in terms of communicating on this topic, but it's one that I think 
uh, I would say, based upon my experience in, in the church leadership world, uh, is unique in terms of its application. Yeah, that's good. Let me just good. say something real quick here that, that happened this morning as we met earlier, is Dean said something to me. He said, Todd, if you're willing, right, uh, <laughs> you know, to let Bo and I in this instance, you know, catch up with you on this, I think it would help. And I go, hey, you know, I mean, what he was telling me is, but we don't feel like you're leading well in plurality. I said, I, I'm not just willing. I want to. I have to. And um, what he was doing is very kindly saying, hey, bro, you're not leading right now with the humility that I think God would admonish one of us to lead with. Or, you know, I, we, maybe you are, it's just not coming across to the two of us at this moment. And and so I, I, mean, I own that, I asked their forgiveness, there were a couple of the guys that uh, are there uh, that are about to be elders and other campus pastors that in many effects, well, they always meet with us when we meet as elders. And I asked their forgiveness, you know, for just even implying that I'd have to be asked to be willing. I, I I want to because that's the biblical model. So these are not. It's not a board I report to. This is a, this is really important. We don't have an elder board, right? In the sense that companies have a board of governors. Um, we have a leadership team. Okay, you might have heard the expression before that um, you know communities uh, or sorry committees have you know all the power and none of the responsibility and teams have um, all the responsibility and the power to execute on it. We're an elder team, okay, not an elder committee. Um, these are men that I meet with, and we'll talk about the amount of time we spend together, you know, uh, a little bit. But look, I, I don't, I'm not just willing. I'm following the biblical model where I'm subject to them. We're subject to one another in love. Yeah, that's good. So uh, just real practically, like what does it look like to lead collectively? Um, you know, Todd, when Todd's in front of the body, he uses a collective pronoun, we. Uh, a lot of times this is what we what we think. This is where we feel led, um, which is to say, like you guys have processed that, you've prayed through it, and you feel solid. You're moving as, uh, as one uh, group of leaders, which is, which is really great. And Dean, I appreciate the way you – I mean, you are Todd's biggest fan, um, but you're not his yes man. And you guys, you know, shepherd each other, and it, it's been really, really fun to watch. So, Bo, I want to pull you in here. I remember uh, recently someone asked your kids uh, about you being an elder, and uh, I think they were kind of fishing for, you know, maybe just how difficult it was and maybe some discontentment in your kiddos. And uh, do, you, do you remember that conversation and, and what they asked and what I think it was your oldest son said back? Yeah, I mean, they were um – just really um, excited uh, by the role and just the privilege of that, uh, and um, you know, not feeling like um, I'm putting my family on on the altar uh, of ministry, uh, but that uh, we have the privilege um, of of serving the body of Christ. Uh, and the the shared leadership thing, I think the the best analogy I think of um, is within the context of a marriage, uh, which is if I have something that I want to do, um, do I go to my wife with the goal of convincing her um, and trying to get my way um, or with the belief that uh, we are one and God is as capable of speaking through her to me? Um, as whatever I'm bringing into that conversation. And so um, you know, I think our, our shared leadership really starts with uh, trusting that each of us are abiding with Christ and that um, God will give us a peace uh, to do the same thing or uh, give us a peace to trust uh, the others 
um, at times where you may not be fully caught up. And that's really important. And I think, um, you know, pride um, and arrogance is, I think, our worst enemy in leading together. That's so good. That's so good. Um, anything else about the model? How about this? Uh, you guys spend an enormous amount of time together. You want to just kind of talk us through what that means? Because it, it feels like, from my perspective, it bleeds over. You've got relational uh, time. You've got um, fun time. You've got church ministry time, prayer time, family time. So can you just kind of walk us through the way you guys relate to each other? And then you know, how do you segment out, this is church stuff, this is uh, personal stuff? How, how do you even think about that? Yeah, I, I think I would just say that's a segregating, segregating stuff out as a category mistake. Um, for us, we um, shared leadership is truly every aspect of our lives. Now, we'll allocate time in our week for certain specific things. So let's just answer specifically. On Mondays, we meet for uh, as elders, uh, usually 7.15 to kind of 9.45 time frame and could go longer at some, some weeks for sure. But that's really the... I would call it the work of the church. That's the things that we believe need our attention. There's a long list of, of items that come to our, our attention from Greg Crooks, our um, executive pastor. He does an amazing job of really vetting those area of the church that, that need our attention. And we spend our time Monday morning doing that. Can I just stick in a, an example to people who might be listening? It would be the kind of thing where it's brought to our attention, hey, the Hellenistic widows don't feel like, uh, or the, the, the Hellenized... Jews don't believe that their widows are being cared for in the same way. And so it is um, ways for our team, our staff to come to us and say, hey, this is what's going on in the church. And as leaders, what do you think we should do about it? That doesn't mean we go, right? Act 6, we didn't go feed the Hellenized widows. Um, what we did is we said, okay, let's take care of that this way, in a way that we think will honor God. Let's get men full of the spirit and wisdom who can take care of that. And so that's the kind of things that we do Monday. The staff and other leaders are telling us these are challenges that we're facing. These are um, issues that are maybe causing insecurity, unrest, or lack of opportunity for the body. What do you think we should do? So we're not the executors of that as much as we prayerfully use the principles of Scripture to um, endorse action and encourage leadership to be proactive uh, while we hopefully continue to give attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word, okay, as our primary focus. We're not building buildings, okay, and we're not um, combing through budgets, but we are giving advice and consent to buildings and budget because that affects the sheep and the flock. So that's the Monday time. And we, it's not just us that's there, right? We have staff representation and leadership who meet with us in those meetings. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an amazing time. But let me jump to Friday mornings, which I think is the highlight of my week, and that is when we gather at 6.15 and, and just pray together. And we'll invite others from the church at different times, other key leaders. John, I know you've been there and others like you. Uh, it's just a great time for us to bring the concerns of the, uh, the church before the Lord and and. Uh, be reminded that that our leadership matters, and are we right with Christ and right with each other? And uh, confession and repentance, and we we again, we're trying to practice those things we won't really want um, to spiritually nurture our body. And so Friday's just an amazing time. It usually lasts between an hour and hour and a half, and um, I believe that, that sets us up for what's the highlight of our our week. The beginning of our week is Sunday in worship, and so. Um, I'll, I'll stop there with the organizational aspect of our role and, and then tell you it bleeds into every other day of the week. Um, we, we talk, I mean, I know I talk to these guys for sure every other day, if not every day. And it's not because I have to, it's because I want to. 
I love them. They're my friends. I want to be with them, you know. And so I want them to know how my business is doing. I want them to know the struggles I'm having with my wife. I want them to uh, know if there's conflict in other relationships and how my kids are doing and all aspects of my living life together. And so there is this deep connection with these men that that is um, – is a highlight and a blessing. So this is a good place to stick this in, okay? Because uh, that word life together he just used. We believe and we spend, and both these guys can answer this question. I'll let, I'll let them finish my sentence, all right? We spend most of our time together, what? Just shepherding one another. There we go, right? And so I, I think people ask me sometimes, Todd, who's, what's the most difficult part you know, about being Pastor Watermark? I, well, I, I can tell you who the most difficult guy to, for me to lead and shepherd a Watermark is. It's me, right? And so I, these guys... We spend an inordinate amount of time, because as leadership goes, so goes the church, shepherding one another. And um, we do life together. We are companions. We are bread breakers. We eat meals together, just us and with our wives. Uh, We fellowship. We do the business of life together, not the business of church together, which starts to transition to something we have to cover, which is we're a church that... Christmas Eve had 23,000 people at it, okay? Um, any week, given week to week, thirteen to 14,000 people are with us every Sunday. Uh, and so how many elders do you need to shepherd that size of church? Well, right now there's three of us. There's two more that are about to be brought into the circle in just days that we've vetted for years and have brought before the body, and we're about to close that process. But um, there's there's... A small group of us, and why don't you guys talk about why the number is what it is? Our goal is to make sure that every member of our body of Christ are shepherded, and we think anyone's ability uh, to truly know and shepherd others is limited somewhere in the 10 to 12 range. And so our model for that is our community groups. Uh, we're, We're not willing to have someone um, be a member where we feel accountable before God for shepherding them if they're not willing to let people into their lives that shepherd them daily in the way we're trying to shepherd one another. And so on the one hand, uh, we have every member is shepherded uh, within a group of you know four to six singles or uh, four to six married couples who are one step away through a community group director to the elders. And then for ourselves, um, our first thing we do is we, as Todd mentioned earlier, is shepherding one another. And we think that the more people you have in a circle, the more difficult it is to shepherd one another. And so uh, as we look to add two people to our group, we know the benefit of adding them and their their gifts and and their, their walk with Christ. And the thing that we have to overcome is five people are more difficult to get together than three people. Uh, getting to know their wives and spend time with their wives and their children is more work. And so we don't think um, we should have the the elder group be any larger than our ability to effectively shepherd one another. That's really good. So yeah, we had some um, elders roll off, and so now we're adding we'll, – we'll get to that probably later uh, during this time, talking about the guys that we added and kind of the whole process, which I think will be really instructive. But can, can you guys put us in the room on the whole shepherding each other? Because I know there's some people that are listening to this. And they're thinking elders meetings is where you're kicked an agenda and you just start grinding through the bullet points. And um, you guys do that, but you said at the top, you said the thing that you spend most of your time and energy on is shepherding each other. Like, can you give us a, a tangible? You, you can. You don't have to use names, uh, but can you give us a tangible example of what it looks like to shepherd each other so people can have a picture of that? Well, let me insert this here. There was an earlier podcast we did on. Uh, you remember which one that was, Adam? Uh, it was, 
Leader's inner circle. Yeah. The leader's inner circle. And one of the, the pieces of advice that I think is wrongly given to uh, pastors is that, hey, you need to find somebody outside your local church, your faith community, your immediate faith community that you can be real with. And I mean, I just am shocked by that counsel. You know, what I, what I would just say, and I think I said it on that podcast, which great way to go back and listen to, is, uh, look, let me tell you, pastors, if you can't trust your soul care to your fellow elders, why would you encourage your body to trust and follow them? And so these these guys are the men that I'm. They're in my they're my inner circle. And so if I've got to go outside of this group to get soul care, what are they doing giving soul care to hundreds, dozens, thousands of others? And so yeah, so I mean, look, I, this these guys are gonna give an account for my soul because they're my brothers and we lead together in the same way that. Uh, Peter loved and admonished Paul, and Jesus loved and admonished Peter. Okay, and right down the list, these are my men. And um, and they love me, and they care about me, they help me, and they pray for me, and they admonish me when I'm unruly, they encourage me when I'm faint-hearted, and they help me when I'm weak. So let, let's talk about examples of that, if you guys want. And I, well, use one my exa- name. Yeah, one example, um, I think it's important to just know that every other week we bring the gals together with us. Uh, we have lunch, what we call community lunch. And that's, again, it's a mutual shepherding. It's a mutual understanding of relationships, how people are doing in their walk with Christ, their relationships with their kids, family, extended family and friends. Um, that happens every two weeks. It's usually a couple hours. And uh, we, don't, we don't say, hey, we're not going to talk about church with, with our wives. Everything's on the table. And we invite them in. We're one flesh. We want to be articulating the challenges that we face, whether they're inside the church, at work, in our businesses with our kids. And so that's a great time of just mutual encouragement. And so we might just bop around real quick. There's no uh, process or organization to it. Just how you doing? How you doing with Jesus? How you doing um, with your kids? We, we always have uh, a prayer, you know, itemized prayer things that we circulate with each other that, hey, these are the highlights for me this week. This is what's going on. But generally speaking, that's just a time that, hey, if you've got something, please bring it forward. Um, we want to be people that, that, that are hosts, you know, and, and not guests. It's like, there you are. Come forward. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on in your life. And so uh, that's every other um, Monday lunch, and that's just a, a highlight of our week. I think people are looking for some kind of uh, magic tip and technique here, and I would just tell you there isn't. Faithfulness is a daily struggle. Relationships are a daily struggle. And but can, there there are some aspects of relationship that we know make it rich from our instruction in the Word, and that is um, confession, repentance, uh, thoughtful change in the behaviors that we know that are hurting others, and and those are the kinds of things wherever we are, we're always practicing, and we all enjoy the outdoors. We we hunt, we camp, we you know travel together. We. Um, take midweek breaks, just hanging out, go see a movie, do whatever. And so all of those things are opportunities to practice the one and another scripture. And that is the secret sauce. You know, community, deep abiding relationships, first with Christ and then with each other, lived out in, in just an honest and appropriate way. It's great. It's so great. Yeah. And so just, you know, to put people in the room, we're at, we're at a staff meeting a lot of times and you guys will pop in sometimes and 
it, it's not uncommon for you guys before we start getting to the business to say, hey, we've been working through some relational issues and or, you know, one of us had a, a log in our eye we couldn't see and um, and nobody, none of the staff runs out of the room and goes, oh, my gosh, we've got the wrong guys. Uh, <laughs> it just gives us so much comfort that it, uh, what what needs to be said is being said. Um, that uh, there's nothing that you know is off limits in anybody's life, and then you, once that's taken care of, then you start talking about the church. And I, I just can't tell you, as someone under that leadership, just how comforting uh, that is. You know, blind spots are being addressed. Uh, no one's deferring to uh, Todd because of his role and his gifts. Uh, there's a plurality there. We fought for unity. We've all the blind spots are being addressed, and and now we're going to lead the church and um, and no one's going what are those guys doing you know and uh, and it, it's really comforting go ahead Tom. John I'm just I'll throw in here look uh, one of the hardest things to do as a leader is to convince people that you need Jesus as much as they do when when you're an elder and a pastor people think gosh man if I if I just you know if my husband was an elder if my husband was a pastor I, I'd have such a great marriage well you you would prayerfully because your husband would be doing the things that lead to great relationships. But if people think once you're a pastor or an elder, you aren't sordidly tempted and uh, in every way that every man is, and that you don't need to avail yourself to the resources God gives all people, okay, so, you know, then then you're deluded, right? So we're constantly reminding people: look, we are Christians, we are not Christ. Christians struggle against sin, struggle against their flesh, uh, offend one another. Um, you know, I had I had a you know we called a three second flash just this morning where I just flat interrupted Bo. I got strongly disagree with you. I think I I think I let him get seven words. You said out. that, yeah. You know, I think you got seven words out before I had the deeds of the flesh interject. And uh, you know, <laughs> and so I think uh, you know it wasn't long after that. I mean, I I, I mean very quickly. Just I, I I saw it as did everybody, and it was just you know. Um, a chance for me to go, hey, bro, will you forgive me? And guys, all of you forgive me. That that was not great. And um, f- and maybe even before I got to fully execute that, you know, Dean loved me enough to go, hey, Todd, let me let me tell you what's going on right now. <laughs> and you know, he just kind of acknowledged the vomit on the floor before I did. And but so we do that for each other. You know, it'll be my turn this afternoon and his in the morning, and it just happens. And we we. We aren't Christ, as Todd articulated, and and we're gonna hurt each other. And so, but it's what we do with the hurt. And he, he responded really well this morning in, in the midst of he, he his his uh, his sin was surpassed by his repentance, and that was a beautiful thing. And then he, who's the first to bring it up here in the front of maybe a whole lot of listening people? That so we we always want to lead with that. We want to lead with the fact that we know we are broken, irresponsible people apart from Christ, and so. Our goal is to help each other get back pursuing the things we know. Amen. So this this is the most important thing you can do as elders, okay? Well, abide with Jesus. And because you abide with Jesus, you will, okay, uh, as a prisoner of the Lord. I'm reading now Ephesians 4, right? Okay, walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. So that means with humility, watch this, and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's Paul's... The first words out of his mouth when he gets done with a the theological framework for the church, he says, "Now get after it." And and the word diligence there means just continually, continual effort and striving after, nonstop hard work. Again, I want to tell you, if you think what makes you an elder or a pastor is that you have to stop working at following Christ, you're, you're not paying attention. 
you're in trouble. You're next. You have an enemy who is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if I was, you know, just be good, here's some good Forrest Gump theology, right? When, when, you know, ignorant people go out there and they'll salute uh, crosses and stripes. I think I remember that scene, right? Where, um, he said, don't ever salute me out here. Sniper's going to take me out. Why? Because snipers pick off stripes, leadership, and medics because it kills the morale of people when the guy who's going to help you if you're being shot at is killed. And so uh, it, doesn't, it shouldn't surprise our body that the, that the enemy wants to, to separate us from one another, and, okay? And so we've got to be diligent to preserve the union spirit and the bond of peace. And so, again, we spend all kinds of time working on our relationship because out of the unity of our love. I mean, that's Philippians 2 now, where Paul says, hey, make my joy complete so that you guys would in every way, you know, be of one spirit, of one mind, intent on one purpose. Okay, so we're working all the time. Are, are we one? Are we diligent? Bo, would you throw in anything on this? I mean, yeah, I would just know just like specific examples. Today's a Monday. I think since Friday, um, I recall a discussion uh, with one person around the sin struggle at home, uh, one with the relationship at work, and um, am I looking at this the right way? Uh, one of us uh, sending out our, our updates on some finances and just letting people speak into, am I stewarding God's resources well? Um, talking through uh, how one of us is uh, communicating with our wife on a topic and um, sort of dragging or leading. And um, if we can't ask people, follow my example as I follow Christ, if we're not committed to helping one another, follow Christ. And um, our ability to shepherd the flock uh, is limited by our ability to shepherd one another. Okay, so was that clear what he just said? All that I could show you the text messages that are 72 hours old or less. That's since Thursday at noon, okay, uh, to Monday morning. Those are things that the five of us, these three and the two guys who are about to be elders, interacted with personally over text and an email. That's good. Just you, not uh, not the not the multitudes in our body. That's just, just us, right? I mean, and, and so go back. Just This is where you're going to hit the back 15-second button four times. Go back and listen to what Bo just said. And, 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 and just go, this is what these guys, we go to war against the flesh. Not the flesh of the sheep, the flesh of the shepherds, because we are sheep too, who shepherd one another, and therefore we can say with integrity, right? The things that you learn and receive, hear and see to me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. We are, we're just men who are given the incredible, horrible privilege to um, serve Christ by, um, by imitating him and calling others to do the same. We are servants of Christ, stewards of the mystery of God. And, and I think one of the things that uh, we do, we got to make sure that we are the characteristics constantly, the characteristics that are there in First. Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And if you're listening, you don't know much about elders, they're not, it's not skills that's listed. There's about 15 in 1 Timothy 3. It's about 15 different uh, attributes that an elder should have. There's not really one of them that's a skill. You might say able to teach, but that, 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 that is a bit of a skill, and it's not meaning they can stand up front and hold people's attention for 40 minutes. That means you're sound in doctrine, and you're able to teach others this is what the Spirit of God uh, has revealed about this topic. Okay, It doesn't mean every elder needs to be able to be a... Um, you know, a large group speaker, communicator, it does mean every elder needs to know when there's air that's being introduced to the flock. But everything else, okay, everything else is a is an issue of the fruit of the Spirit in that individual's life. It's a character qualification, not a financial one, okay, and not a, um, 
a skill one, like the guy can, you know, he, he does this thing really well. He, he follows Jesus well. All right, well, that was a great start to our conversation. If you want to read some more, you can go to watermark.org slash elders. Next episode, we're going to talk about the installment process and some other common questions that these guys get. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.